Well, this morning we're going to continue on the Outlander series that Pastor started last week. And you know, an Outlander is kind of a word that I don't usually use in my vocabulary. How about you? It's kind of an odd word. I think uh, Tammy told me last night, my wife, she said, uh, I think there was a series on TV called The Outlander. I don't remember that. But anyway, it's not a word that I use, and it's not a word that I hear very much in conversation. So I thought it'd be good to look it up. I like to do that to see what the word actually means. Outlander is a person who belongs to another region, culture, or group, a foreigner, a stranger, or an outsider. And as Pastor taught us last week, we should be outlanders in this world today. There's nothing wrong with being a part of this world. There's nothing wrong with having things, as long as the old saying is things don't have you. But we need to understand that eternity is what we're looking to. That this world, us living our life in this world, though as rich as it can be, is just a breath compared to eternity. So we can't lose focus on what eternity is, and, and we can't get diverted from that, which is so easy to do. But this morning, we're going to be looking at the outlander that is a seeker, a seeker. What does it mean to seek? Look that up, too. To go in search of or quest of, to try to find or discover by searching or questioning, to try or obtain, to try or attempt. So if you're going to be a seeker, it's kind of the very opposite of mental coasting. How many of you ever found yourself mentally coasting? I know I have. How many of y'all know someone that kind of lives there? This seems like they're always just coasting. It's like, hey. Well, the Lord has called us not to mentally coast. Pastor shared with the staff a couple weeks ago, he said, man, if we're mentally coasting, there's only one way we can go. That's downhill. You can't coast uphill. And let me tell you something. Being a Christ follower is not a mental coast attitude. Being a Christ follower is work. It's not some easy road. You're just going to kind of slide down into eternity. That was easy. Being a Christ follower, you're following. You're after him. You, you have an appetite. You're going after God. It's something that we do day by day. We daily choose to be a Christ follower. So the first point is the true seeker is focused. Focused. And what does it mean to focus? The center of activity, attraction, or attention. So let's look at the word, Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Now Moses took a tent and set it up outside the camp, far away from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up. 
then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord spoke with Moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. And I want to stop there. It's interesting that you had the, the people of Israel encamped together. And according to the scripture that we read, the, the tent, the tent of meeting, the tent of his presence was outside a considerable distance, the word says, away from the people, away from the camp. And when we read earlier in that chapter, God said, the people are aggravating. The people are rebellious. There's sin in the camp. And if I go with them in, the, in my presence among them, I may destroy them on the way. So they created a tent outside the, the, the people to be able to house God's presence. And there's an interesting parallel here because when Jesus was crucified, he was taken outside the city of Jerusalem and he was crucified away from the population of the people and he was crucified outside the city. And it's interesting there because what we're reading here in Exodus is that the presence of God is removed from the people. But thank God what Jesus did as he was crucified outside the population of the people, he brought the presence of God not only back to us, but within us. Makes all the difference. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So Exodus 32.1, we'll see an instance here where the people of Israel are so quick to abandon their focus. What we're reading here is when Moses first went to the mountain of God and went up to, to meet with God. And let's read. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make us a God who will go before us. Because this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. That is shocking to me. The God who miraculously brought this people of Israel through constant miracle after miracle after miracle. Moses being the spokesman. God showing his power and his glory and his honor. And bringing the people out of slavery and bondage. Moses is gone for just a couple days. And they're seeing all this stuff. And they're thinking, well, let's just make an idol. And we'll say this idol is the one who brought us out of Egypt. Really? How shallow a people. God said, I can't even dwell with them because they're so wicked. Harold Lenzel, which is an author and one of the founding members of the Fuller Theological Seminary, said this. It is right for the church to be in the world. It is wrong for the world to be in the church. A boat in water is good. That's what boats are for. However, water inside the boat causes it to sink. Think about that. Kind of makes it clear, doesn't it? It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to be in the world, but it's wrong for the world to be, have such a grasp on us. And of course, I have a boat story to go along with that. You may, have, you may have heard it before, this particular boat story. But the first boat my wife and I ever bought was a while back, and it was a 1969 Glassmaster fish ski boat. Cute little boat. We bought it from 
uh, boat dealer. And the first thing we did, we bought it and went straight to the lake. Now, I grew up with boats, didn't know anything about them. But I rode with my uncle plenty of times. So I got to the boat landing, ready to let the boat out in the water. And I remember looking, I found a plug. And I thought, this is probably important. And so I found a hole, and I stuck it in that hole. It kind of fit a little bit. I thought, well, that's probably it. Let the boat down in the water. Told Tammy, I said, uh, you hold on to the boat, and I'll be right back. We're going to have a great day. So I went and parked the, the car and the trailer, got back, and Tammy's looking at me. Guys, you know that look. What have you done? And I looked at the boat, and it was full of water, sitting on the bottom of the, of the lake, about four feet of water. And uh, I thought, wow. What? She said, this thing's got a hole in it. Take it back. So <laughs> I went and got the uh, trailer and the car, backed it back up, tried to winch that boat up full of water. Man, that thing was heavy as could be. Got it up, pulled it out, and water just shooting out of this little hole in the bottom corner, just like a hose pipe full blast. And I thought, that's probably where that plug was supposed to go. About that time, a guy came up, rough-looking dude, got a beer, drinking it, looks at me and says, y'all catch anything today? I said, well, we just, we just got here. And he looked at the boat full of water, looked at me and just shook his head and walked off. <laughs> sure, he was thinking newbie. And that's exactly what I was. I've never made that mistake again. I always check that plug. You see, it's okay for a boat to be in the water, but it's bad for the water to be in the boat, just like in the church. We as the people of God, it's okay to be in the world. Jesus hung out with sinners, but they didn't cause him to sin. He changed them. So we as the people of God out in the world, we don't just go up into some commune somewhere. We're out in the world among the people, but we say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. We change the world. The world doesn't change us. Let's look at what the Word says. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Where is our focus? How many of you ever heard of C.S. Lewis? Wrote the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. They've made a, a movie or two about some of his writings. I want to quote him because he put it so perfectly for where we are today. This is what he said. The Christian way is different, harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over, over the whole natural self all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. To be a Christ follower will cost us something. 
But the things that we lose and what we gain is so much worth it. So we see that the true seeker is focused, but the true seeker is also determined. The word determined means having a, made a firm decision and being resolved not to change it. In Exodus 20, 18 through 20, we read when Moses first came and met with God and the people are seeing all that's going on. It says, all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we'll listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid. For God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. You see, God's plan was to, was to the people that were in bondage to bring them out and to be their God and to be among them and for him to be as a father to children and to love them and to nourish them and to help them, to bring them up to be the upper part of the world. But the people saw it and they said, no, 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 this is too much. Moses, you speak to him and then just tell us, what he said, we don't really want any part of that. You see, the people refused to go in. They refused to be a part. They refused to embrace God as he desired them as well. Now let's look at the other side. We're going to finish the verse that we were reading earlier, Exodus thirty-three eleven. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks with his friend, then Moses would return to the camp, but his assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. That's a beautiful picture to me. Joshua, I don't think, was just playing security guard, watching over the tent. He experienced the presence of the Lord. And he said, I'm not going out, guys. You may not want to come in, but I'm not going out because I have found what I've been searching for. This is too good to leave. Said he refused to leave the tent. Wow, that should be our focus and our passion. The people of Israel at that time, they were focused and they enjoyed the blessings and the privileges of being God's people. But the problem is they enjoyed and looked to the blessings instead of the blesser. I think a lot of times we may get like that as well. Billy Graham, who's now gone to be with the Lord, and I think this world desperately needs someone as an anchor point as he was when he was here with us. He said this, We often seek to please ourselves first instead of God. What is interesting is that when we seek to please God first... Very often we discover that we end up far more pleased than we did when we put ourselves first. That's a true statement. So let's look at Joshua. We looked at Moses. Let's look at, at Joshua. Through all the critical moments of God's people, Israel, from their time in, the, in enslavement to, to being brought out, witnessing all the miracles to, to seeing uh, God bring the Ten Commandments and the law and all that. Moses was in the forefront, but right by his side was Joshua. 
right by his side was Joshua. So Joshua was being mentored, was, was viewing and seeing what happened to the point that when Moses was dead, Joshua was ready. Now, he may not have thought he was ready, but God, just as we learned last week with Pastor, God had prepared him and brought him to the place where he was now ready to lead the people after Moses' death. And it wasn't because Joshua was just handpicked, you know, man, well, why don't you take it? No, I think God saw uh, Joshua's heart, his focus, his determination. I'm not leaving the tent. I want to be in the presence of God. Just like David, God saw David's heart, and David messed up a lot. He made a lot of crazy decisions. But in spite of all the fog of those bad decisions, God saw way down deep and saw David's heart and said, your heart is right. I can use you. And of course, David is, is known as the man after God's own heart. So after Moses had departed, had gone on, we read in the book of Joshua, pastor shared this with us last week, but listen to what the Lord tells Joshua. No one, this is Joshua 1, 5 and 9, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. As a Christ follower, we've got to be strong. We've got to be courageous. Because the enemy doesn't want you to stand up. He doesn't want you to take a stand. He doesn't want you to be a force that he's got to deal with. It's very easy to mentally coast and say, in the sweet by and by, what about today? Where is your focus today? Where is your determination today? Today is the time we need to deal with, that we need to make ourselves what God has called us to be. He's going to carry you, but there's a point where he expects you to walk. Let me share with you my own personal experience of being mentored. This is uh, <laughs> decades ago. I remember Wednesday night, the church I came from, I'd been working in the youth for a few years, and there was a pastor that came to the church on a Wednesday night. His name was Pastor Duke Matlock and his wife Kelly. And they shared they felt like the Lord was calling them to start a church in Pineville. Of course, lived in Charlotte at the time, so that was uh, kind of close. And listening to him speak, I felt the Lord tell me, you go and you introduce yourself. You're going to be working with this man. I thought, wow, cool. So the service was over, and I went up. I just simply said, hey, my name's Brian. Um, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And that was it. And shortly thereafter, he spoke to my pastor, which was Brian Campbell, the previous pastor here, and uh, got his permission. And he gave me a call, and we got together. Man, I was so excited. I thought, man, this is going to be so cool. We're going to start this church, and before long, it's going to be a mega church, man. It's going to be great. And I was all excited. And we'd been doing all this preparation, and then I started considering all the responsibilities and requirements that I would have. 
And I thought, wow, maybe I spoke too soon. This is kind of beyond me. I, I don't know if I could do this. I'm, wow, this is over, overwhelming. What? And I panicked. I was, to be honest, I was scared. And I, I worked downtown Charlotte, Duke Power. And right outside the city, there's a little park, and it's got a gazebo. And I remember this like this was yesterday. I went down to that park. No one was there at the time. And I took my Bible, and I sat in the gazebo. And I said, Lord, I don't think I can do this. This is, this is overwhelming. This is beyond me, Lord. I, I'm afraid. And the Lord took me to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. It's become, you know, you see it everywhere. There's plaques and pictures and all this stuff. Back then, to me, it was brand new. I'd never noticed it before. And the Lord said through that scripture, I have a hope and a future for you. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Trust me. And I was like, well, okay, Lord, but you know, I, 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 I'm still nervous. I don't feel like I can speak or anything like that. I, I, I'm real nervous about this. And the Lord took me to where Moses in his calling. And Moses said, Lord, I, I've never really spoken very well. I stammer and stutter whenever I speak. And the Lord said, who made your mouth, man? I can put the words in your mouth. Don't you think I can do that? So I thought, well, Lord, I guess that's pretty plain. Okay. Yes, I will. So I made the choice to move forward. <laughs> and I remember meeting with Pastor Duke. We had a lot of meetings. And I remember telling him, and I cannot believe that I said this, but I said, you know, you do the preaching. I'll do the music. We'll get along just fine. He looked at me kind of surprised, and he smiled, and he said, okay. I'm thinking, well, that was a little odd. Went over good, though. So we started the church, and things went every week. You know, we're living out of a, um, the church is living out of a little warehouse and U-Haul trailer we rented every weekend, set up, tear down, a lot of work. They say if you can survive a startup church, you can survive anything. It's tough. It's hard work. And a few weeks down the road, I remember <laughs> meeting with Pastor Duke again. And I said, you know, I don't think I know anything about anything. And he looked at me and smiled again. And he said, Brian, I've been waiting on you to say that. Because it's only when a man empties himself of all that he thinks he can do that God will fill him with what he knows he can do. I did a lot of growing in that four and a half years. And we would have meeting after meeting after meeting, and he was mentoring me. He was discipling me, which we all need in our lives. And it was hard. There was plenty of times I wanted to pack up and leave. Uh, I don't need this man. 
He'd get all deep down into my life and the things I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you talking about that for? Make me so mad? I always showed respect to him, but boy, on the trip home, I was fuming. And I say, Lord, did you hear what he said to me? Can you believe what he said to me? And I would feel the Lord respond and say, you know he's right. It was like, I need some sympathy here, Lord. Aren't you on my side? Well, he was through Pastor Duke. You see, the Christian life is never meant to be an easy walk in the park. It's a difficult journey that matures us and brings us into godliness, which is a process. But I am forever indebted to Pastor Duke for tolerating me and being patient with me. And it's kind of funny, a couple years ago, I spoke to him and I told him that. I said, man, I'm, I'm forever indebted to you. And his response was, man, I was a jerk. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> you were exactly what I needed. But boy, he, he was pretty blunt and harsh in his ways. But that's exactly what I needed at the time. So we see that a true seeker is focused, a true seeker is determined, but a true seeker is also devoted. And what does devoted mean? It means very loving or loyal. Never turning aside to anything else. Loyal, loyal, loyal to the cause. Now the scripture we all know is kind of stamped upon our hearts is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You read that scripture and we understand that God loves the people of the world. But in saying that, does God really love me as an individual? Does he even like me? Yeah, he loves the world, but does he like me? You know, I see myself as a connoisseur of sweet iced tea. I'm a southern boy. I was raised in the south. There's a right way to make tea, and there's a wrong way to make tea. Man, I was making tea last night, and I make tea in the house. Sure I do, because I'm a connoisseur. And I take that tea bag... And I'll squeeze it in such a way to where that thick, cloudy juice comes out, very remnants that's been sitting in. I call it tea honey. Squeeze it, and it goes down in there. I've got it to where in such a way where I even know I can't even break the tea bag. I'm a connoisseur. So I love tea. Man, I love the smell of tea. I love the taste of tea. The British say we don't really know how we like our tea. Because we heat it, then we cool it, then we sweeten it, then we sour it. But there's a process to that. You end up with a good glass of iced tea. But there's some tea I don't like. My wife drinks a certain brand of tea that's sweet tea, no sugar. It's nasty. It's got that artificial sweetener, it's just... Forget that. And then unsweetened iced tea, what's the point? All you're drinking is colored water. So I like my tea like I like my tea. So considering that, I'm a tea lover. 
I love tea. But there's some types of tea that I don't like. There's some brands of tea that I don't care for. Is God that way? Does he love people as a whole? But there's some individuals like, eh, and stay away from him. Is God that way also? What does the word say? Second Chronicles 16, 9. God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed or devoted to him. Psalm 145, 18 through 20, the Lord is near all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. And one more scripture, Psalm 91, which we've held on to through this pandemic. Verse 14, because he is lovingly devoted to me, says the Lord, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Now, again, C.S. Lewis says this, continue seeking God with seriousness. Unless he wanted you, you would not be wanting him. You see, it's reciprocal. When I first went on a date with my wife, it was reciprocal. I liked her. I could tell she liked me. So we started spending more time together. We got engaged. We got married. And now, being married 40 years, 40 plus years, I practically know what she's thinking because I've developed that deep relationship with her. So as much as you may want to know God, He yearns to know you, to be in that close relationship. Because you see, when it's reciprocal, it comes together naturally. That's the way God has called us to be. Now, Matthew 6, we know the Scripture well, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek. So again, what does it mean to be a seeker? It means to go and search or quest of, to try to find or discover by searching or questioning, to try to obtain, to try or attempt. It's interesting, try is most of those descriptions of what seeking means. We are the ones who seek and find. Lord said, search, with, search me with all of your heart and you'll find me. The scripture that God led me to when I was in that gazebo, Jeremiah 29, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. As the worship team comes forward, I want to share the story of an outlander who was focused, who was determined, and was devoted to his dying breath. And this man is John Harper. He was a Scottish pastor who was on the Titanic when it went down. And I just recently found this story, you know, all that we've heard about the Titanic. And it really hit me of where our focus, our seeking needs to be. So from the survivors that witnessed 
his actions, this is what it says. When the alarm sounded that the boat was sinking, he quickly got his six-year-old daughter into a lifeboat and then started calling out women and children and the unsaved into lifeboats. Other survivors said he went throughout the boat witnessing to anyone who would listen until it went down. Four years after the Titanic sank at a meeting in Hamilton, Ontario, a man stood and said, I am a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a spar that awful night, the tide brought Mr. Harper of Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, I am not. He replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the waves bore him away, but strange to say, brought him back a little later. He said, are you saved now? No, I said, I cannot honestly say that I am. He said again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And shortly he went down. And there, alone in the night, and with two miles of water underneath me, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. Puts it all in perspective. This pandemic that we've been through for the past year and a half has, for many of us, caused us to mentally coast. But the Lord is calling us back to refocus our focus, to redetermine our determination, to redevote our devotion, to get everything back in alignment. St. Augustine lived in the 300s A.D., said this to fall in love with God is the greatest romance to seek him the greatest adventure to find him the greatest human achievement God's calling you back God's calling you back to stand once again to be the man or woman of God that makes a difference in your world. To shake off this pandemic mess and this haze that it creates. And to be clear-minded and focused for today. Amen. Father, we look to you. We look to your guidance. We look to your hand. We look to your presence overwhelm us once again Father we may be the people of God that you've called us to be the people called to make a difference in our world refocus us Lord redetermine us Lord redevote us Lord to be the man and woman of God that you have called us to be in Jesus name
for joining us for blessing upon us this week. If God is in passion. Join